0: Hello, and welcome to the Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name is Pete West, and I've spent half a lifetime collecting stamps and more than 10 years buying and selling them. In these podcasts, I want to share some personal stories, tips and tricks that I've learned along the way, and maybe encourage a few non-philatelists to take up this fascinating and absorbing hobby. I hope you enjoy the podcast. So, welcome back to the second edition of Our Dad Stamps podcasts. Um, and once again, I'm joined by my wife Sheila. Hello, Sheila.
1: Thank you for inviting me back.
0: It's a pleasure to have you again. So, we left the last podcast when I went off to university, and I left my collection with my dad saying I'll come back for it one day. Well, as you can imagine, like most people when I left university, I spent time Working at a new job, I got married, I started a family and there really wasn't a lot of time for stamps, so it was a very long gap before I actually got back into stamping. There was a short interlude during that time when, uh, after the birth of my second child, we were were quite tight for money and at one time we needed to buy a new set of tyres for my car, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to get to work. And, and there really wasn't any money to do it. So uh, I got hold of a load of my first day covers and put them in the local paper to try and sell them. And in actual fact, I sold the first day covers, which covered the cost of four new tires by an amazing price by today's standards, but that was fairly acceptable then.
1: There's two things I'd like to cover on that. A, the fact that you put the stamps in your local paper to sell and now we have stamp magazines, a lot of buying and selling is done on the internet and at auctions, etc. So the fact that you thought to put them in a newspaper, was that the method that people used to sell stamps back in the day?
0: Um, There really wasn't a method used in those days. This This would have been early 1980s and really the only place... To buy stamps and to sell stamps was was through a dealership, through a, through a shop. There were magazines around, and yes, I could have placed an ad in the stamp magazines, but the cost of placing that ad really outweighed the value of, of what I was selling. And if I'd taken them to a local dealer, I probably wouldn't have got very much for them. So in the days before the internet, local newspapers often ran huge buy and sell features and you could place in a place an ad in the paper for not a lot of money if not free it may well have been free at the time so yeah i just placed an ad in the local paper described what i was was selling and the price i wanted and pretty soon i uh, somebody came and made me an offer which was very acceptable and i probably got more for the first day covers then in 1980 than i would if i sold them today so
1: I think the second point I'd like to cover is what exactly is a first-day cover?
0: A <laughs> uh, first-day cover is, is uh, as I explained in the last episode, a, a first-day cover is basically an envelope or a letter that's been posted on the first day that the stamps were issued. That's it. the basic idea is that traditionally it's just an ordinary envelope. You buy the stamps on the first day that they're they're printed stick them on the envelope and post them. And hopefully you get a nice round date stamp that shows shows that they were posted on the first day. And these are quite collectible, and still are collectible, but there there is a, an overrider there. The, the idea of first day covers actually goes back to very shortly after stamps were, were first issued, very shortly after the penny pack. Probably about the 1860s, people were collecting letters that were posted on the first day and it became more and more popular and as it became popular people started decorating the stamps and draw- uh, sorry decorating the envelopes and drawing pictures on the side of the envelopes and these developed into something of an art form and there are some quite amazing drawings drawn on the front of an envelope as part of the first day cover. By Uh, 1920s, 1930s, they were becoming more commercial. Printers and stamp dealers had cottoned on to the idea that these these things were becoming popular. And so more and more of them started to appear. And it is believed that there are over 400 different first-day covers produced for uh, the 1937 coronation of King George VI. So even in the 1930s, there were lots of companies producing first-day covers for the market. By the time I bought mine, which was in the 1960s and 70s, the post office were issuing their own cover, special cover, which had a special printing on the front to to say what the stamps were, what they were commemorating, and a little bit of information about, about the stamps. And by that time, just about everybody was buying a first-day cover. So whilst I managed to sell these for a fair amount of money in the 80s, that was largely because not many people had the opportunity to sell them. It it was a difficult market to sell things in. Now with with the internet and online auction sites, there are hundreds. Everybody is selling their old first-day covers, and they are almost worthless from the 60s and 70s.
1: So we have gone from a first day cover being a normal person sending a normal envelope. However, the envelope had a stamp and that was stamp was actually put on the envelope on the very first day of issue. If you were lucky, the post office would have put a special stamp to commemorate that, but whoever was sending the envelope would be decorating it themselves. That was the first.
0: Those, well, the first were with nothing on them at all. Then they developed into the person decorating it. So the, it was
1: actually the person sending so, the letter would so decorate are, it.
0: there are a lot of unique first-day covers around like that.
1: Just the sheer idea of decorating an envelope when you send it to somebody, I think must be fantastic. The, I mean, the, the, the time and effort of somebody thinking of that and actually spending the time to do that, I think is is amazing.
0: Well, When, when you look back, um, it was, I, d- I don't say a common thing, but there are an awful lot of envelopes that have been decorated by people, not just first day covers. There are loads where people have taken the time and trouble to, to draw a picture on the front. Maybe it's something special for, for the receiver. Maybe it was to pass the time away. During the First World War, it was a pastime for for the soldiers would would decorate the letters they would send home. So there's a lot of them about, but as I said, they are all unique, so they're all amazing pieces of art.
1: I mean, I love the way you said that soldiers would decorate the envelope to send back to their sweetheart and their family. Just almost makes me want to cry. (laughs) I mean, that is so lovely and so thoughtful. Can you imagine receiving an envelope from your sweetheart mm. who you haven't seen for a long time and he's hand decorated the envelope as well as written sweet nothings inside oh yeah, my god yeah. i think that's amazing
0: certainly if you get the chance to see something they're worth looking at just have you got any i have don't have any in my collection unfortunately no it's not something that i've really collected they're certainly interesting and, and maybe it's something for the future
1: so if anybody knows their parents or family member have got some stamps stashed away in the attic, in the shed, in a cardboard box under the bed, get them out and, and have a look because the I, I would actually love to see one of these hand-decorated <laughs> envelopes. Yeah,
0: yeah, they are, they are nice.
1: So 1st so day covers have actually got a really varied history.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely like most things connected with with postage and, and letters, that things change over the years, fashions change, and certainly the way things are produced and the way things come about have changed over the years. But
1: I always thought a first-aid cover would be a a letter or a just the envelope, maybe, with a stamp and a fancy envelope to commemorate maybe a royal wedding, a royal birth an Olympics something like that that's my understanding
0: those are are certainly around and those are the ones that the the post office sort of rely on people buying but in actual fact any stamp that's issued if it's posted on the, the first day that it was issued makes it a first day cover and if you can get hold of a A Penny Black posted on the first day that they were issued. It's worth thousands. thousands. Well, you'd be
1: be listening to this podcast in Acapulco,
0: (laughs) wouldn't you?
1: So, are you still able to go to the post office or look on the the post office or the Royal Mail website and there will be a list of stamps coming up which will be considered and then you can go down to the post office, get your stamp put it on a letter and hopefully you'll get a special postmark
0: absolutely yeah they produce a list every year of of what stamps are coming out and when they're coming out these days you can pre-order first day covers so that they will arrive at your house or you can go and collect them just printed with special hand stamps in some some cases for example the christmas the christmas one is well known that when the christmas stamp comes out it's a popular first day cover to have it postmarked in Bethlehem which is a place in Wales so that's a very popular first day cover but but there are lots of other special postmarks that you can get to go with the first day covers
1: so does the Royal Mail or the post office whatever they're called these days do they do so many a year or is it just as and when they feel it's appropriate I mean, have we had a Brexit
0: first day stamp? I think there was plans, but I don't know whether it ha-
1: that was probably has or botched, not. Was no. Having,
0: now that we live in Spain, I'm a bit out of touch with what's happening in the, in the British Postal Service. But yes, they, they they certainly produce a number each year. To my knowledge, there's not a minimum or maximum quota. It's just if there's big events or certain events, they will produce a set of stamps to commemorate that.
1: Yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense. I think that's a fantastic history about what is a first-day cover and, and the soldiers writing all well, drawing yeah, patterns. Well, I mean, it's a
0: whole different genre of stamp collecting. is postal history, um, and first-day covers come under the heading of postal history as opposed to stamps, so that's a whole new or a whole different uh, genre.
1: Well, I have to say, this podcast is definitely an education for me.
0: <laughs> good, good. Okay, so so apart from me selling my first-day covers out of, out of necessity, uh, and that wasn't a huge decision because, it, if for those of you that listened to the first podcast will remember that my mum used to buy a set of first-day covers for me and also a set of first-day covers for my dad every time they came out. So I was, if you like, I was only selling duplicates. I still had the same first-day covers at home from the dad's collection. So it, it wasn't a big a uh, big choice to sell them. So anyway, back, back to the story. The next time I came into contact with stamps or had anything to do with stamps was unfortunately soon after my dad passed away. He was still collecting stamps up, up until the, the, the time he died and uh, the collection was, was a, a decent collection, as we've already said. And I was helping mum sort out all his, all his stuff. And she said to me, we came across the stamps and she said to me, well you said you were coming and come back for them at some point, so here you are. And suddenly I was presented with a large stamp collection, which included the ones that I'd left behind, as well as all the new stuff that my dad had got since then. At the same time I met my wife, Sheila, and unfortunately her father had passed away as well, and he was an avid stamp collector. So suddenly she inherited a stamp collection. I inherited a stamp collection shortly after we got married, and there were two big stamp collections together. And that left me with the choice, or both of us with the choice, of, of deciding what were we were going to do. And it, because of the fact that it was the combination of the stamps from our dad, that the name of this podcast and the name of my eBay and Dale Camp shop came about as our dad's stamps because that's exactly what it was so we inherited the stamps we got married and shortly afterwards we we moved to spain an opportunity came up to move to spain so life was a bit hectic and once again the stamps got put away in the loft and and left for future thought and it was a couple of years getting settled in spain and getting everything sorted before we decided it was time to to do something with the stamps. And we flew back to England, went into my mum's loft, picked up everything <laughs> and decided, I decided I didn't actually want to just take them to a dealership and, and sell them. I wanted to get some pleasure out of them again. And I wanted to properly appraise to see what exactly what was there. Because obviously I hadn't seen your dad's or Sheila's dad's collection. And I hadn't seen the editions of my dad's either. So we decided to bring them back to Spain. And the only way to get them back here really was to put them in hand luggage and fly them back on EasyJet. So we had a trip back to Valencia on EasyJet with a couple of cases in the hold that had all our clothes and bits and pieces and a hand luggage suitcase each full of stamps. Luckily, nobody stopped us and asked us what on earth this was and what we were doing with them. But they arrived back in Spain safe and sound.
1: I think if I can just add a personal note here, as Pete said, we lost both of our fathers almost within days of each other, and that's really how we met. And, yes, I remember my dad having a stamp collection, his father and various family members, so I knew my dad had a reasonable collection, but I just feel so proud and honoured that Pete has taken to his heart the stamp collections and has made it into the passion it is today and all the hard work he's putting into it and I think if we think back to the day we came back with all those stamps thinking my god what are we going to do we are now sitting here recording the second podcast for our dad's stamps I, I I think it's just fantastic and and I thank you from the bottom of my heart that you are keeping alive something that my dad was passionate about. So yeah, on okay. a personal note, thank you, darling, for doing
0: that. That's fine. And it's come a long way. And I think both our dads would be proud on of, of what we've achieved and, and where we've come. So anyway, I get the stamps back to Spain. I start looking through them to see what's there and thoroughly enjoy looking through stamps again. And, and, and the whole thing brought back memories of of when I collected and and the thrill I got from getting new stamps and finding out about where the stamps came from and and everything and I thought well maybe I can start selling them on internet auction sites there, there there were lots of them around I'd used eBay before on a regular basis so I knew how that that worked but what I didn't know at the time was was the current market value of stamps so I had two choices either to buy a catalogue or to do some research on the internet to see what they, they were selling at, or both. Now, Stanley Gibbons' catalogues by these dates had gone from being a single volume in 1967 when we first started buying our uh, catalogues to a five or six-volume set costing nearly £300. And I thought, for something that I don't know whether it's going to become a permanent feature or not, I don't want to be spending £300 on catalogues, so to begin with, I just used to look on eBay to see what those particular stamps were were selling for. I had a rough idea of what stamps they were from from previous experience. At that time, the internet was still, I mean, it was was around, but it wasn't in its current format, and there were no online catalogues available, so... It was a matter of looking on eBay to see what was available, what sort of prices they were selling at, and and to see whether I had something similar that I could sell for. The trouble with that idea is I kept seeing on eBay I kept seeing stamps that I really wanted when I was when I was a kid, and what was what's more they were very affordable now, so I ended up actually buying stamps rather than selling stamps, which wasn't quite the idea of the, the exercise. But one thing led to another, and I was soon back into in, into the fold, if you like, back into stamp collecting, and and thoroughly enjoying myself. And I decided with with what I had, I had to I had to cut down. It, you know, I was buying more stamps, and, and it was good. it was obvious that if if I didn't start specializing more, it it could just run away with me. So initially, I decided just to keep the uh, British Commonwealth stamps, and I started selling off the rest of the world stamps in in lots and and singles. But it became obvious that I really needed a catalogue to get some idea of what was going on. At the same time, 300 pound was still quite a sizeable chunk. So with a bit of research and a bit of looking round, I actually found some old catalogues from libraries that the public libraries were getting rid of. Those of you that are of a certain age will remember that in the old days, the 60s, 70s, 80s, and probably in the 90s as well, you could go into the local library, and if it was a big enough library, they would have a set of Stanley Gibbons catalogues. So I ended up buying up some old world catalogues. Now, the ones I bought were about 10 years old at the time, but at least they gave me a reference of... Whether what I had was a, a valuable stamp or a or a cheap stamp, and then I would put them for sale and and really let market forces decide what they sold for. I probably hit a piece, a bit of luck. I bought a box of stamps, uh, a shoebox full of stamps, just odd stamps. Sorted through them, took out what I wanted for the collection, and, and decided to to sell the rest. And there was a set of Chinese chrysanthemums, a set of stamps showing chrysanthemums from China. Now the catalogue value of these was not a huge amount. They they weren't ordinary stamps but the catalogue value wasn't wasn't huge and I put them on expecting to get maybe £10-£20 for them. They ended up selling for about £150. Now I've no idea why they sold for that amount. Uh, I know Chinese stamps were very popular at the time and maybe I just got lucky and I started buying uh, in bulk, I started buying people's collections I suppose, or old albums. I started buying box loads of stamps, breaking them down and, and selling those. And gradually, this this has developed over the years to, to where I am today, which is exactly that. I will buy an old collection, either somebody I know or, or more often than not, from a, an online auction or a posted auction, buy up a load of books, break them down and and sell them, and then use that money to enhance my collection. And it's got to the stage now where I really only specialise in Queen Victoria Great Britain stamps and pre-Decimal Malta stamps. And that's it. I've had to cut everything else out to uh, just to try and manage my collection. But I am thoroughly enjoying myself. I have the thrill of getting new stamps, the, the excitement when the package arrives. And it's, it's just like being a kid again. I'm really happy. So that is the story of how we got back, or how I got back into stamp collecting. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that you've maybe learned a few things from it. And maybe if you were a collector once in, in the past, maybe it might uh, prompt you to have a look back on your stamps and, and have another look. It certainly is an interesting hobby and certainly is one I get a lot of enjoyment from. Thank you very much for listening and listen out next week for another episode of Our Dad Stamps podcast. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and maybe you've learnt a little too. I would love to hear from you with your tips and stories. I can be found on Facebook and Instagram as Our Dad Stamps, as well as through my online shops at eBay and Derbcamp. Listen again next week for another episode of the Our Dad Stamps podcast.